or power to save. Boost Mobile. Phone offer limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. 5G not available everywhere. See BoostMobile.com for details. And stop calling your ex. She doesn't want to hear from you anymore. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I hope she sees that soon. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games. But I hope he does. I used to hope he'd find happiness again. Now I hope our marriage makes it. I hope Grandpa will get help. He thinks it's too late, but it's not. With everything that he's going through, I hope he sees a counselor. I just want my brother back. I hoped he'd get help. Stop hoping things would get better on their own. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. You want to feel important. You want to be a part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We know. We felt that way, too. And that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Army National Guard soldiers. We are normal people just like you. And together, we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Louisiana Army National Guard. Aired by the Louisiana Association of Broadcasters and this station. You're listening to ESPN 100.3 FM. KLRZ, La Rose, New Orleans, and the River Region. It's time for the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Local sports, national sports. The G-Cat is on it. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Now, settle up for a tall glass of sports talk. Here's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Graf and Hudak together again. It's the bottom line here at Katie's 3701 Iberville in the heart of Mid-City. Two hours have flown by, one to go. As we have gone all over the board today, NBA Finals, Saints OTAs, Tulane Baseball, Pelicans offseason. Oh, what a segue, because we're going to get right into it. We thought he was going to be in-house. The invitation was extended, but he couldn't make it. He is on the line, though. He is the editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights he is Mr. Ali Cosell. Ali, we miss you here, but thanks for joining us on the show regardless. Hey, guys, I really wanted to come in person, as you know, but I had a dog needed to take him to the vet. Couldn't miss the appointment, so unfortunately my dog comes first. It, it does. Don't it, they always? Yes, they do. No, uh, again, we'll get you out here at some point, Ali, but uh, I tell you, you know, I'm going to start off with the Pels with you because obviously that's what you do. Uh, you cover the team on a daily basis. You're at every you're at every home game, and um, you know before we talk about the off season, uh, this is the first time that I've really had a chance to talk with you uh, as far as what you saw this past season and and just some of the strides this team made and and the momentum, the discernible momentum that the team has going into this off season. Wow, I mean, where do you want to start? Because it all seems really positive, doesn't it? I mean, outside of the Zion, initially the news revolving around Zion, everything went from being bad to great, right? The Pelicans discovered their future coach. 
a guy that can possibly be here, you feel like, for the next eight, ten years at a minimum, right? Then, of course, the players. You weren't sure of Brandon Ingram, right? He looked like an all-star, but then you were wondering, can you become a team leader? And we saw that develop. You saw how the team were able to land a lead guard, one of the best in the business, some, somebody they really needed at that position since trading away Drew Holiday and C.J. McCollum. The young guys, nearly almost anyone you want to talk about showed improvement from drastic to at least some, you could see, some discernible improvement to a team basically just talk about. I mean, we've all talked about it. Three and 16 start, two ending up in the playoffs. After that three and 16, you went 33 and 30, had a great run through the playing tournament playoffs. So they went from a team that could have easily quit, right? Turn the switch off a quarter of the season into garnering such valuable experiencing experience. And Todd, I mean, like I said, it, it, just, it looks fantastic, the future all of a sudden, because you've got pieces at every position. You feel like you're a deep team. And this was all without supposedly the best player, you know, the face of the franchise in Zion Williamson. Yeah, Ollie, uh, what stuck out to me most this season was that the team found an identity, and I don't really think they've had one since, you know, in a long time, but it's always, you know, been marred by stars leaving and kind of this perennial dysfunction um, and drama, but it not only seems like they kind of turned around, you know, from a playing perspective, but it seems like, you know, the core identity of this team has really been instilled, uh, just like a genuine love for the game, and that's something to me that you can't really teach, you can't really just get any coach. Uh, it really has to take all those right pieces, but it, it, that kind of seems like the quintessential foundation for this team to really grow moving forward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Maddie. Look, we, we know what Alvin Gentry and his system brought. Same thing with Stan Van Gundy, but for some reason it just didn't translate fully on court. The players didn't completely buy in where it did have a chance to translate fully was Willie Green's .5 system and the relationships he built. I think that's the biggest key, right? You have to have a coach, players, everybody be on the same page, and that was something that was able to be established when the team was struggling. So off of that, that's where the culture sprouted, right? You have to have players that or coaches that have been there before that can get the rest of the group to follow and do, you know, have that same common goal, have that same mission statement, and, and, and execute it. And we saw that this season, uh, and, it, and it showed through their play, right? They started translating into wins. These guys started playing together as a unit to where they started beating some very good teams. Um, and, and people were even talking about, look, maybe they could even upset, you know, Memphis, uh, the Phoenix Suns. And we were looking ahead to possibly facing the Dallas Mavericks in the next series. Why? Because they found an offensive identity that really flowed, and that started with Brandon. He was, he was really heavily in the ISO ball when he first got here. Um, and his tendencies, right? But Willie Green was able to get him to buy into that point five system, and that just permeated through the rest of the roster, where these guys are flying around on the court and offense. Nobody's holding the ball. Nobody's pounding the rock, just watching the time slip or go by, just a la maybe a James Harden. And then defensively, of course, that competitive fire. Um, maybe, maybe Herb Jones is the best example of it, where he's going to get in your face, he's not going to give you an inch, and he's going to give you multiple efforts. And that really could have been said of really any of the players because they all were doing on the court. So Pelicans, they want to play you tough. They don't give you anything easy. They try and dissuade you from getting to the rim. Um, and, and, of course, getting out in transition. That's their biggest key, right? So we saw a lot of parts of the system that Willie Green wanted to put in uh, take hold. But it was that culture, as you're mentioning, Maddie, that really took in, of course, right? Showing up for practices early, working your butts off staying together as a unit, that these guys just want to spend so much time together both on and off the court says truly 
what I think was built this season, and then you can see how it's going to translate in a future season because something special has been built here. They had the success. They love each other. And it looks like this group's going to be here for a while. 14 of the 15 guys under contract for next season. So you feel great about being able to carry over in the future season. Talking with Ali Cosell of the Bird Rights. He is the editor-in-chief. We are live at Katie's 3701 Iberville here in the heart of Mid-City on the Sports Hangover. That's a tremendous segue, Ali. It's like you're a professional. You've done this before. Ali, <laughs> um, this is going to be my fourth year with the team. And this is the first summer where actually it's going to be what you would call normal, uh, a, a normal off-season summer program. That has not been in existence the last two years. Um, and I think it's really affected some of these younger players. But you have seen the picks. Uh, you've seen Herb in the gym at the Oscar Sports Performance Center. You have seen Trey Murphy there. You have seen Jose Alvarado. You have seen Zion Williamson. And, oh, by the way, I know for a fact that Jackson Hayes and Najee Marshall are also working out. How important is that just to see those guys in the gym this soon before Summer League is even a thing? And, you know, I don't know who's going to be going to Summer League as of now, but those guys are in the gym working hard every single day. Love it, because that's when young players and young teams improve the most is during the offseason. You know, the OKC Thunder, when they first got together with Westbrook, Durant, Harden, and Ibaka, that's what they did. They got to be known for getting together in the offseason and really just working together, working their tails off to improve their games, and that's where their improvement came from. That's why their team suddenly elevated, even though they were young, were suddenly considered a Western playoff contender that could go on deep runs, if not win a championship. And so that's something we hadn't really heard of here in New Orleans, right? These guys hanging out uh, as soon as day one happens of the offseason, getting together. And I've heard the same talk. I've even heard that Kyra Lewis has been around as well. So it seems like all the young guys are here. So they've all been spending time. So that's fantastic. The camaraderie's building. You're building off the last season's success. You're being able to work on your individual weaknesses. Get stronger in the gym. I mean, look, a lot of them are 20, 21, 22. They're not physically 100% mature yet. Uh, they're not in their primes yet, so they, they need to be doing all these little things. But, of course, the topping, the, the, the nice cherry on the top of all this is Zion's there. You know, he really wasn't around last summer, even before I, I've heard before his injury. Right? He kind of was doing his own thing. That's something he's always done. He's always been known to work out with his father-in-law, but now he's consistently around these guys. So, it, it basically, it, it just couldn't look any brighter, right? Because that was the biggest knock on Zion. He was a little bit aloof. We all know it. He got called out for it during the regular season by J.J. Redick and others when he supposedly didn't reach out to C.J. McCollum. And that's, like I said, been his tendency. And a lot of stars in this league do that, especially when they come in at an early age. They kind of have their routines, right? He had it at Duke. He carried over the NBA. And it kind of hurt the overall perspective of him. Now you feel confident and good about that. He's buying in. He's always said he is. We've all heard the positive talk, but it was hard to justify it when, you know, you say one thing, it kind of looked another thing was happening. Well, now nobody can say otherwise, right? Now he's there with the guys in the gym, and you've got to feel confident that all that talk of him wanting to be in another city, that's going to vanish as well. We were actually, uh, and again, we're talking with Ole Cosell uh, of Rights. Um, we were just talking about that before with Zion, how I feel like he's kind of earned, you know, that not so much the benefit of the doubt, but through his actions continuously, um, you know, trending in the right direction, I feel like 
it's unfair at this point to kind of bring that stuff up. But something else you touched on, um, and this has always been so wild to me, how young NBA players are. You forget that Brandon Ingram Mm -hmm. is, what, 24 years old? And I think Jackson Hayes is 22. I I mean, I think of myself when I was that age and like a little child in comparison, uh, both from, you know, a physical and mental standpoint. But, you know, this team, they didn't go out and get a bunch of superstars this past season. They built through the draft uh, and, you know, really credit to their scouting department for what they were able to find uh, in Trey Murphy and Herb Jones and everyone last year. Um, and there was, you know, some talk about, will this will they add some, you know, chip player to kind of bring this all together? But to me, that's Zion. Um, I don't necessarily see a huge need to go out and get someone like that, especially with kind of the draft capital they're looking at. So, Who's someone you think they could target in the draft, uh, either, you know, at the spot that they have or a potential move? Yeah, well said, Maddie. The, the depth, we just talked about it. Everybody saw it. When somebody went down, there was other players to step up. And they're all young, so count on future development. And you mentioned the biggest key, Zion. He's just going to be as big of a free agent acquisition as any team's made in the last 10 years, right? You're having somebody that didn't you have, you didn't have on the roster previously for the entire year. So that's going to bump up this team. So really what you're just trying to do, I think, if you're the Pelicans, is augment this offseason. They've already got 14 players under contract, so it doesn't look like free agency is going to happen hardly at all with this team unless you can send out some pieces. But you're right. I'm looking at the draft as to where the biggest addition is going to be made outside of Zion. And there are several pieces that could help. We all know the team didn't shoot very well. That was the biggest knock for me. The three-point shooting was very suspect in a lot of games. And let's face it, you've got to be, you know, you've got to be – at least average, I want to say, in a lot of games, to be able to put yourself in position to win against any team on any given night. The three-point shooting, as we know, that's, that's the biggest you know, single factor that can change a game's outcome. So the Pelicans ranking 27th. They've got to improve on that team field goal percentage, um, and I'm, that's who I'm targeting. You know, Benedict Matherin is somebody I like the most, I want to say, coming out of this draft. He was wonderful at Arizona State. Everybody watched what he did for him at Arizona what he did in this NCAA tournament, right? He, he can shoot the bomb, and it looks like it's going to carry over. He's got that sweet stroke that he can get a shot over a lot of guys. Kind of reminds me of Ben Gordon when he played with the Bulls, right? But he's a little bit taller, and his competitive fire, you feel like it's going to be a natural fit with Najee and the rest of the guys from what I've read and heard and talked to some people about. If not him, two other guys I'm looking at is Dyson Daniels. He's a, he's a guard, but he can play one through four because he's six seven six eight. got wingspan up to seven. And his biggest knock on him was the lack of shooting. But over his last two months with a G uh, League team, he played with his past season, shot over 40%. So it looks like he may be able to have that total package. And the last guy, Jeremy Sochin. Uh, and Shaden Sharp, I want to throw in. Unlikely he'll fall to the Pelicans. That's why I'm looking at Sochin out of Buck Baylor. But you're looking at a, either helping the team's three-point shooting or the defense. Watching this Boston Celtics. Uh, team, their playoff run, and what they're doing through the Warriors currently. Kind of shows you what the Pelicans still need, right? You've got all the scoring, CJ, Zion, Brandon, but I don't feel like there's still enough defenders, even though they played well. You feel like they can add more to it, especially when you watch some of these elite teams. So, yeah, that's why I'm targeting those guys' names I mentioned from this draft. And I think the Pelicans are, too, from everything I'm hearing. Ali Cassell. He is the editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. I don't know how much more information you could pack into a segment, but you certainly did that, my man. Again, we missed you here at Katie's today, but we got to get you here at some point. But uh, have a great rest of your summer. I know the draft is in two weeks, and uh, you're going to be locked into that. So everybody, uh, again, go to the Bird Rights and, and read Ollie's stuff. It is spectacular. Thanks so much for joining us today, Ollie. Thanks, Matt.
Absolutely, guys. And I can't wait to see you guys in person. It's been a while. And I will say this. I don't know if anybody's mentioned on your show yet, but have you thought about making it semi-permanent thing where we get you on the airwaves at least a couple times a month and call it Graphic and Maddie Show? Something along those lines. Very catch, catchy to me. We, we <laughs> like to call it the bottom line. Eva, Graph, Graph and Hudak are the bottom line. But, uh, yeah, it's been a while since we've had a show, so uh, we always got to take advantage of it when we get there. Thank you so much for the kind words, Ollie. And, again, uh, we'll see you in the draft in a couple of weeks, my man. See you guys. Thanks. All right. That is Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of The Bird Rights. All right. We're going to take a break, and we're going to switch gears. Deshaun Watson has been in the news, obviously, the last, well, few months. It really started back up again the last couple days. There was nobody better in America, I promise, to talk about this crazy situation than the person to my left, Matty Hudak. We're going to get into this when we return. It is the Sports Hangover. We're live at Katie's, 3701 Iberville in the heart of Mid-City. We hear a lot from Maddie on Deshaun Watson. We return to the Sports Hangover. Since 1948, that's 74 years, Valerio Brothers has been in the commercial shrimping and fishing supply business. They carry a large selection of stainless steel shafts up to two and a half inches, but they can also order larger if you like. They also stock two, three, and four blade propellers up to 40 inches, a large selection of shaft coupling, single V struts, and stainless steel rudders. Now listen to this, Solarium Brothers is now stocking rudder blades and rudder shafts so you can make your own rudder. Now carrying stainless steel plate pieces so you can make your own V strut. A huge selection of stainless steel stern tubes, rudder and shaft shoes, fiberglass tubes, rudder ports, packing boxes, and dripless shaft seals. Stocking tiller arms and rubber cutlass bearings along with a big line of motor mounts. Visit Alario Brothers before the season. That's Alario Brothers, 894 Avenue A, West Wego. Visit their website at alariobros.com. Boats is a coming, their sails are inside. Shrimp boats is a coming, there's dancing tonight. Hi, I'm Mike Gwynn with Gwynn Auction Company, and I'd like to invite you all to our upcoming public equipment and vehicle auction this Saturday, June 11th at 10 a.m. in Jennings, Louisiana. This auction will feature late model Caterpillar equipment, excavators, dozers, farm equipment, vehicles, and much more. To view our inventory, go to GwynnAuctions.com. When searching for us on maps, simply search Gwynn Auction Company. That's this Saturday, June 11th at 10 a.m. in Jennings, Louisiana. An accident with an 18-wheeler can cause king-size problems and wreck your life. If you've been injured by a big rig, don't play the game of claims with the insurance companies. The King Firm attorneys are experienced at handling 18-wheeler crashes and will seek king-sized awards for their clients. Get the royal treatment you deserve when you ring the king. If you've been in an accident with an 18-wheeler, ring the king at 909-KING. They say that once you give him control, he'll own your brain forever. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. It is the Sports Hangover. Tiger Appanini, Matty Hudak filling in for Gus Kattengau. I can't tell you he's the vacation, vacationing Gus Kattengau because he's still in D.C., waiting to uh, get to Vermont for his nephew's graduation. Now, the last couple days, uh, the Deshaun Watson situation uh, has even taken another turn here. And, of course, everybody knows he is now a Cleveland Brown. Uh, $230 million guaranteed. 
Uh, again, he did not play at all last year for the Houston Texans. More on the Houston Texans in just a little bit. But uh, Matty Hudak to my left, uh, this is basically right in the wheelhouse because, number one, uh, Matty has a master's in law. And I don't know if everybody read that New York Times article by Jenny Vrentas, who shed a lot more light on this situation. A spectacular article, by the way. Uh, and the research and the writing was spectacular, just like my colleague Matty Hudak to the left. So, again, this is right in the wheelhouse. And Matty has personal experiences with the situation of Deshaun Watson. So I'm going to shut up and let Matty take over. And I want everybody out there to listen very carefully what Matty has to say. Yeah, so, I mean, this whole Deshaun Watson thing, um, you know, I think it's well known that I was slightly aggressive when he was first linked to the Saints. Um, and I know people somewhat know I don't come from a typical sports background, but uh, I really spent a lot of my career living, working up to this, you know, working a lot with women uh, and sexual trauma in a lot of facets. Uh, when I worked at the VA, was the head of women's military sexual trauma there. I, I worked in child sex abuse clinic. Uh, and, and what's always stuck out to me in those situations is it always seems so systematic and that the system had parameters in place to allow these types of behaviors to occur. And women in those situations always feel powerless, and that's how this read to me from the beginning. Uh, I've also worked in jury consulting where we've worked on several sexual assault cases and specifically kind of the psychology around that and spotting, you know, uh, predatory patterns and the like. I've worked with both men and women who have been victims, uh, and it's very close to me for a lot of reasons. I have my own personal experiences uh, with, you know, assault and NFL players and kind of yielding that power over people that are vulnerable. So... From the beginning, yeah, this is something where I'm always an advocate. I'm, I'm, you know, not known for sticking to sports, if you will, but 22 women, the sheer number caught my attention at first. Uh, and it's hard when you're, you know, trying to talk to someone who's linked to the team that you're attempting to cover. And, you know, there's a large portion of the fan base who doesn't feel as strongly as you do. And so I, I know I could have been a bit, uh, defensive in the past, but, uh, to me from the beginning, you know, that number just gave me pause to, you know, what's going on here because this is, serial type numbers at this point and you brought up the great article by jenny brentis um and i really encourage everyone to read it it really depicts this predatory pattern that stuck out to me from the get-go and these allegations that really paint a picture and i feel like that got lost in the noise of all of this you know i don't expect everyone to read 24 lawsuits uh it's a lot of reading and i understand not everyone wants to seek those things out I always like to read primary information. So the first thing I did was read those complaints. Um, and I, I wish I had more time to go through them. Uh, but, you know, I, I went through about eight or nine of them. And when you're educated on and have spent a lot of time, you know, trying to spot these patterns, it becomes inherent kind of what those ticks are. Um, so I just going through, you know, nine allegations and what stuck out to me, you know, just first of all, the inconsistency with what type of services he was asking for. He asked two of those plaintiffs not for a sports massage but for a relaxing one that then switched to a sports massage and, and then he brought up something about a Swedish massage even though he never asked for any of their qualifications at any point in time. Uh, he asked three of the eight women whether or not they were going to be alone uh, and he asked for a photo of one of the plaintiffs. He told Doe 6 that I make a lot of uh, massage therapists uncomfortable and it's really hard for me to find someone that will meet my needs. Um, then going through what all of these women have alleged. Um, I, I made a spreadsheet. I wrote this down uh, because I'm extra, but 
Five of those eight women alleged that he was lying on the table naked with a small towel. Four of them said he was completely naked. Two said he asked not to leave the room while undressing. Three of them alleged that he refused their attempts to cover him or would pull the towel back. Seven of eight of them used the term aggressively dictated the massage. Four of them said that he purposely exposed the tip of his penis. Six of them said he touched the plaintiff with his penis. He asked five of them to focus on his groin, two of them to focus on his glutes, four on his inner thighs, four on his butt cheeks and inside anus, sorry for the language, and three on his testicles and penis. He told two of them to forcibly put their hand on his genitals, and four of them mentioned this circular body motion that he would use to get them to touch either his penis or his anus. Uh, some things he told the plaintiffs. One of them, too many clothes. Well, can you just do this for me? He asked another one. He asked three of them to, quote, go deeper when they were working on his glutes and anus. Uh, after he groped, allegedly, the butt and vagina of one of the women, he said, I thought you liked that. Uh, again, graphic, but he told one of them, I want to come. Other therapists make me come. He asked another one if she was really a lesbian. He then apologized for never being rejected by a woman. And then he asked her to perform oral sex and pretend that he was a woman. Uh, he tried to or did kiss three of those plaintiffs without consent. He coerced two of them to perform oral sex, and one of them alleged an erection, two of them alleged ejaculation, and one alleged masturbation. And that's just nine, I'm sorry, eight of what are now 24 complaints. And what, you know, we don't even know how many complaints there could be at this point. You know, when, when the New York Times uncovers 66 women, but my point for going through that, and that might be a little painstaking to go through that, but... When people are asking, you know, why do you feel so strongly about this, you know, innocence until proven guilty type thing, I also, you know, I am inclined to look at similar facts that paint a picture. And, you know, I, I something that stuck out to me as well is this idea that, you know, he has been cleared of criminal charges. That's not what grand jury proceedings are. I don't, and again, I don't expect everyone to have a basic understanding of, you know, legal proceedings. I think it's problematic when people like Adam Schefter add to these things by saying this is why they wanted their day in court so he could prove his innocence when that's not what a grand jury proceeding is about. I hear this phrase, you know, a prosecutor could indict a ham sandwich. Um, I really hadn't heard of that before. And sure, they could. It's all whether or not they want to indict a ham sandwich because it's not just about indicting one. It is about convicting the ham sandwich. And if you don't think that you have a case that you can convict, a lot of prosecution is about politics. You know, that was really why I went into this legal course in the first place. I took a law school course in criminal procedure uh, and, and I wanted to be a prosecutor. And I quickly learned that I wouldn't be able to do that because I would go insane having to deal with the fact that you sometimes cannot bring a case forward. And sexual assault cases are notoriously hard to prosecute. It's been this way for literal centuries. I mean, marital rape was legal for a very long time. Women has, used to have to prove that they physically defended themselves in the form of scratch marks and, and bruising to be able to say that they escaped. So that, that's what we're working backwards from here. And then when you hear that he's deleted all of his messages and you hear that his combative responses in his depositions, you know, one asking, can you explain why you reached out to her on Instagram? And, and then you just keep saying, I needed massage therapy. And then he just keeps responding that. And then another time, he was asked if he found one of them attractive, and his response was, I have a girlfriend, because that, you know, answers that question. Are we going to pretend that people in relationships don't find other people attractive? And, and that's clearly not what he was asking. Um, he's asked for photos of the plaintiffs. He has tried, you know, to allege that some of them are, you know, there's just so much going on here. Um, 
And the other one was that that wasn't a priority when asked about, you know, what their massage level was. Then what was a priority? And that's a very bizarre response. You know, it, it just, that wasn't my priority. That wasn't my priority. Yet you say that you needed these massages because you're an athlete and you're in pain, this, that, and the other. And, you know, 66 women apparently couldn't get it done for you, but you never thought to ask what their qualifications were. So his answers do not really make that much sense in that regard. And then you get the stuff that's recently come out that I think has really turned the tide for people, which is kind of frustrating because it felt for a while like I was screaming into the abyss. And again, I get that a lot of the time and it's a really good player. It's hard to separate those two things. But when you think of these new implications with that New York Times article that the team was issuing him NDAs, that's really problematic to me on on so many levels, just... Is this something that other teams do? Uh, I think they can probably claim a lot of plausible deniability here. Uh, I, I'm not really sure how much legal standing there is in that aspect, but it is, to me, has officially put the league on notice because now they have been implicated as a result in this. You know, he was staying in this hotel put up by them under the name of an athletic trainer. And, again, when you're issuing someone NDAs, which he claimed to only use for massages because his agents and attorneys took care of everything else, what else is there that you need to take care of that you would need more NDAs than this? Um, it's just been very hostile. And to me, the thing that sticks out most is there's been zero indication that he's changed, that he plans to change, that there's no danger of this happening again. I think of the women that are on the Browns training staff. I think of his future massage therapists. You know, I would be petrified, and I don't mean that as a hyperbole. I would not want to be alone in a room with this man. And, you know, for all the questions they ask the wives and daughters, I really want to know if the Browns ask them if they would be comfortable uh, leaving them alone and, and seeing how they felt. I, it just has really, quite frankly, felt like a, a middle finger to women and this whole women in sports thing uh, that this league purpose when in reality, they don't care as long as you're good at football. So there, there's a lot of things, uh, and I could go on for days about this, but all of that to say, I think this has turned a tide. I think you cannot ignore, especially the allegations that have come out in the 23rd and 24th recent lawsuits that have alleged much worse behavior, including potential intimidation by his attorneys. Um, but you also can't ignore that the team has played a role in this. And so there's responsibility here that I think the league has to take at this point because why, why would women ever feel like they are welcome in this industry when this kind of stuff is directly thrown in their face? Very well said, Maddie Hudak. And, you know, I know it pales in comparison to everything that you have stated very eloquently, by the way. But we got to take a break real fast. I'm going to come back. I'm going to ask you a question as, because if you're the Cleveland Browns, where do you go from here? And I know... You kind of got a vested interest in this because I know your dad is from Cleveland is a very huge. Well, he was a Browns fan. That's no longer. Does that does that pretty much sum it up right there? All right, we're going to take uh, one have one more segment with uh, Graf and Maddie here on the Sports Hangover live at Katie's thirty seven oh one Abbeville. Still see the brown. Give me that country side of life, a place where I can stand out right. Give me the country side. Give me the Time is money. 
Don't waste both running around looking for filters, batteries, and belt sand-related items. Fleet Supply Warehouse delivers. Fleet Supply offers daily scheduled delivery, including Bayou Lafouche, New Orleans, Morgan City, New Iberia, Lafayette, Thibodeau, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, plus the River Parishes, too. Automotive, lawn equipment, agricultural, marine, or industrial. Fleet Supply Warehouse. 985-868-0430. Venture Boulevard, Homa. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a scary movie victim. Oh no, a tree fell on my car, and there's only one thing to do. Trip over my own feet and pull myself across the lawn while yelling help at a barely audible volume. <laughs> uh, sorry to interrupt, but you filed a claim with GEICO, so you've got a designated claims team to help you. This GEICO sounds suspiciously reassuring. Are you sure I don't end up getting surprised with an unexpected twist? Just that your GEICO team will always be there to keep you updated. No! What is it? Oh, nothing. I just didn't see that coming. GEICO. Great service without all the drama. Dad is the smartest guy you know, so give him a gift that's just as smart, like a battery-powered smart doorbell from Google Nest that lets him see what's happening at his door and answer it from anywhere. The Google Nest doorbell is now on special buy for only $129.99 and works on any home. Find the best and smartest gifts for Dad. Feels like Father's Day at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Offer valid through June 19, 2022 at participating U.S. stores and online. Limit five per customer. The training has helped my career so much because it's a platform of skills that I never had before. The training program has, has helped me to go from a, just a regular job to a career because when I first came here, I didn't know anything about this line of work. Without doing this training, we wouldn't be able to work for the companies that we work for. Learn more at laworks.net slash IWTP. This message sponsored by the Louisiana Workforce Commission. He's back. He's like the thing that wouldn't shut up. He's got his own catchphrase. He's the best invention since they started frosting Pop-Tarts. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. The penultimate segment of the show. It is my final segment as I am off to uh, pick up my kids from summer camp. So Maddie and Jordan will take you the rest of the way after this one. Graffin uh, Hudak and Jordan, the graduate here at Katie's. We have had a fantastic show, uh, as always, at our uh, host Scott Craig with the menu and I got something to go. I got gumbo actually. I've had a little craving for gumbo so I'm going to get that and I got a meatball pool boy. That is the Italian in me uh, for coming out. Again, our last segment you heard Maddie uh, discuss very eloquently the Deshaun Watson situation. Again, it's very personal for Maddie. It's also uh, she is a masters of law so she knows exactly what's going on in a legal sense. And, Maddie, before we lighten it up for the rest of the show, I will ask you where the Cleveland Browns go from here because, A, I don't know how in the world they can expect Deshaun Watson to be their quarterback. And, oh, by the way, they told Baker Mayfield yesterday, you know what, you don't even need to come in for mandatory minicamp. So what, not that I really give up, you know what, but what are the Cleveland Browns going to do because they are on the hook for 230 mil guaranteed for Deshaun Watson. I mean, when I said before about slaps in the face, that might have been the biggest one of all, that absurd contract that was, let's pretty much guarantee him safety through all of this, and that's how we're going to get him to come over here. Um, and I, I think the Browns, it's not like the Browns are unique in that there were a lot of teams that pursued him. I don't know if they were all going to offer that same contract, but... They wanted an adult in the room, and they have one. Oh, my. Well, again, uh, as I say all the time, that's a them problem. So uh, we've got to worry about the New Orleans Saints. We've got to worry about the New Orleans Pelicans. 
And, man, I guess, you know, as now we'll lighten the mood again, and I'm just really glad you were able to say your piece, and, and, and again, everybody out there was able to hear it. Um, we talked about this very early in the show, and I just cannot remember a, an off season with both the Saints and the Pelicans where there was so much expectation, so much promise, so much momentum, and even with the Saints, you know, just coming off a year where just you didn't know who was playing what game. You talked about it earlier. 57 different starters for the New Orleans Saints a season ago, and we still won nine games. And, you know, if Aaron Donald would have shown up against the San Francisco 49ers, we'd have been in the playoffs last year or that final game of the regular season. So... With the new additions, with the Honey Badger and Jarvis Landry and Jameis coming back, and then uh, hopefully Michael Thomas coming back, I just I don't know how you can't be more than fired up going into the mini camp next week and especially training camp at the end of July. I mean, listen, I feel like what's lost in all of this, that most of all, is the fact that you know this isn't really supposed to happen to a team that lets their franchise quarterback retire on their own terms. You know, I did this very extensive look at how teams move on from franchise quarterbacks back in 2020. And when you look at cases of Joe Montana, uh, Brett Favre, all of those guys ended up getting pushed out, uh, Peyton Manning for Andrew Luck, those all end up being good decisions. And you look at Terry Bradshaw, you look at Jim Kelly, you look at these teams that were in like perennial wasteland for decades after letting the guy retire on their own terms and not looking for a successor because it's easier said than done. And the Saints really fell into category two. Especially when you add in the fact that they made those late pushes and, and added people like Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook, and took those cap hits. So the fact that, like you said, they were an Aaron Donald game showing up. They were, you know, a, a useful kicker or, uh, you know, an entire game wiped out by COVID away from making the playoffs last season. And they're looking better positioned despite having a new head coach and a new quarterback, you know, and a solidified new quarterback now for the first time since this, you know, previous era. I think it's just a testament to what's been built in that building, um, one of which, you know, Dennis Allen has been a part of for a long time in several stints, but specifically this last defensive turnaround that he, he really gets a lot of the credit for. I'm a really big under-the-radar type, and I think at first, you know, going back even a month, month and a half ago, the Saints weren't on any radars, but just to hear Dan Orlovsky now come out and, like, you know, the Saints might be doing something, I don't know if I like that or not. I I kind of, and again, I, I don't give a rat's patoot what national media talks about the New Orleans teams, either of them, uh, for that matter. But the respect level, I think, maybe has gone up in the last month and a half. Yeah, and I don't really know why, to be honest, because I always feel like it's, you know, everybody hates Chris, but everybody hates the Saints, and I can't really figure out why they say they and have James no market. And Winston still is getting no respect, to me. I, I don't know, even though he did what he did last year before getting hurt. Yeah, I mean, the, I think it really just comes down to the small sample size and then previous perceptions. But if you've, you know, been watching the Saints and following the Saints and watched Jameis Winston in those games, you know, I'll be the first one to say I was not a huge Jameis Winston fan prior to last season. And I'm not, he proved me wrong. He really did. He commanded this team. He became a mobile quarterback when, you know, we could not convert a first down several times. The team really struggled on offense, and it wasn't just, you know, with one quarterback or the other, and I don't think any of them are really to blame. It was just kind of an implosion. Uh, but 
he, you know, he stuck with it, and he came back after the Watson stuff. I would like to point that out, that he canceled his flight to the Indianapolis Colts and, you know, immediately went down to work with the Saints. So I think that really showed a lot from Winston and his commitment to this team. You're going to be out there covering training camp every single day like I will be. It is going to be such a different deal this year than it was last year when you were out there every day because last year it was Winston versus Hill. Hill versus Winston every single day. It was who's completing what. It was the reps, the whole deal. We don't have to worry about that anymore. And as a journalist, this has to be awesome for you because now you can pick different storylines. And let me just, I mean, again, I'm going to, you know, Give a little pat on the back to Maddie here. Nobody does a deep dive better than Maddie Hudak. So uh, the Saints Wire USA Today, I don't know what deep dive is going to be first on your list, but I know there's going to be a lot of research, and I know that it's going to be a read that is worth everybody's time. But the thing is, you're going to have pick of the litter, if you will, on whatever deep dive you choose, Madeline Hudak. Yeah, I mean, it's truly a blessing and a curse uh, at times, but... I, I would say there was a lot of interesting stuff last season, but you really had to, like, look for it. But the problem was, you know, people wanted to solve the, the problem and the question mark. And so the journey getting there, if you will, was not really of interest to people. And so it was very hard to, you know, discuss a lot of these different quarterbacks. But it is nice to then kind of have that contrast and have seen that quarterback competition and, you know, kind of get to move to this next phase. And... Like you said, see how the guys like Jarvis Landry, Tyron Matthew, how they, you know, kind of fill those voided leadership roles. And then, you know, these newcomers like Alante Taylor and second-year players, I'm really curious about, like Pete Werner. There's really a lot to unpack at almost every unit. And like when Kat was saying before, with with those kind of, you know, offensive line and tight end, they're not necessarily weaknesses, but they're definitely question marks. But that's all intrigue. Is defense still the stronger side of the ball? I don't know yet because I haven't seen with my own eyes. So I will probably table that until then. Uh, but it depends on the line on both sides to me. So whichever side has stronger trenches, I think that's where it's ultimately where, you know, the moat is, if you will. Oh, by the way, and this has kind of got lost in the shovel, though, you did mention his name once today. How nice is it going to be that Will Lutz is back there kicking the football? Again, uh, seriously, I, I did a really speaking of painful deep dives, looking at all the <laughs> games in the last couple of years that were won by Will Lutz's leg, and then looking at all the games this year that were lost because of missed kicks. I mean, it was maddening. I don't, I, you know, if I was a head coach and it's like I have every unit sound or at least sound enough, but I can't kick three points or a point, and that's the difference maker a lot of the time. So, you, you know. You go for it on some downs you might otherwise not go for. You make different decisions based on the fact that you're not confident in your kicker. And then your defense has to get back out there and stop them rather than be able to just kind of hold something because you cannot convert points either by on offense or in the kicking game. So he, to me, is probably a top five in terms of impact. All right. Well, that is very well said. As always, I got to cut out of here. We still have one more segment left on the sports hangover. Maddie and Jordan are going to take you the rest of the way. Again, big thanks to Scott Craig for putting us up here. I got food to go. I can't wait. Maddie, I can't wait to see you out of training camp. Uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. 
uh, at the end of July. It's going to be hot. I was going to say, it's going to be a scorcher. No, it will be, I'll be but coming you know, from Tulane. You, so you'll, <laughs> yes, you'll be doing double duty. But, of course, the Hudak neck fan, which will be the accessory of training camp, will be out in full force. And I would imagine I'm going to go out on a thick limb, Madeline, and say there will be more than one. I was just about to say yeah. you might want to add an S uh, neck fan. There will fans. be more than one Hudak neck fan out there during training camp. I'm Todd Graffinini, ladies and gentlemen. Again, one more segment. i got to go pick up my kids from camp. But Maddie and Jordan will take you the rest of the way on the Sports Hangar. Hope that uh, Gus makes it to Vermont. Buddy, thank you so much in the studios back in LaRose. It has been the Sports Hangover. Stick around. One more segment with Maddie and Jordan on ESPN 100.3 FM New Orleans. Gather around, folks. It's time for the Caesars Sportsbook Report. Haven't started with Caesars yet? Well, guess what? Your first bet is risk-free up to $1,500. Download the app and use the promo code RADIO15 and then place your first bet. If you win, good for you. But if not, you'll get your stake back as a free bet. Not sure what to bet on first? No worries. We have plenty of action this week. The NBA Finals are underway and hockey is getting down to crunch time. Baseball divisional races are heating up and the RBC Canadian Open is underway. Just remember to use the promo code RADIO15 when you register to get your risk-free first bet then check the app for all the latest booths promos and specials and with caesar's rewards every bet you place brings you closer to redeeming the types of perks only caesar can offer tickets free stays experiences and more must be 21 physically present in louisiana permit pending in horseshoe bozier city not available in prohibited parishes new users only bet amount of qualifying wager return only if the wager is settled as a loss paid as a single bet credit must be used within 14 days see caesars.com slash promos for full terms gambling problem call 1-877-770-STOP caesar's sportsbook the only app with caesar's rewards download it it's the Ram. Make the switch event at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat and Homa. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks and vans. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business with Ram's long-lasting new pickups or their efficient new Ram work vans. Choosing the right one should be easy. Get more for your business with a new Ram truck or van at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa. Here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Time is money. Don't waste both running around looking for filters, batteries, and belt sand related items. Fleet Supply Warehouse delivers. Fleet Supply offers daily scheduled delivery, including Bayou Lafouche, New Orleans, Morgan City, New Iberia, Lafayette, Thibodeau, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, plus the River Parishes, too. Automotive, lawn equipment, agricultural, marine, or industrial. Fleet Supply Warehouse. 985-868-0430. Venture Boulevard, Homa. That man's got some stones. Believe me, he is no wood. His legend lives on. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Welcome back to The Sports Hangover. It's the final segment of the show. Thank you, Maddie, and thank you, Todd. Once you get in your car and probably are listening now for handling these three hours of the show while Gus is away going to a gradu- graduation over in Vermont. Um He's actually currently stuck in Washington. I was going to say, I think he's having a lot yeah. worse time than us right now. Yeah, so um, I'm actually kind of glad that we're here. I mean, we get free food. He's stuck with a, a five-year-old. Not, not there's anything wrong with Carver, but, I mean, a I, delayed flight or a canceled flight connecting to wherever you're trying to go. Yeah, it's annoying when you're by yeah, yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of, I bet it's a little stressful for him because the other day he was asking me what kind of, you know, shows should he put on for Carver. So he's going to have to add more to that catalog. But last segment, as I said, we only have a few more minutes left. I saw this earlier in the show, Maddie, 
and that's ranking the top quarterbacks in the AFC. CBS Sports put this list out. Um, they ranked each quarterback 1 to 16, and no surprise, Patrick Mahomes is number one. I didn't know if you wanted to get into this or if you wanted to get into best duos in the NFL. We could run through this. Uh, I think having Russell Wilson over Joe Burrow is slightly criminal. Just the top five are Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow. Uh, I think, you know, maybe two or three years ago that might be the case. Right. But not, certainly not after last season. Um, Lamar Jackson comes next. Oh, and Deshaun Watson, yay. Yeah, I, I mean, I, think, I feel like they did Matt Ryan kind of a disservice I mean, I feel like which this, is so weird because right, I, for my fo- entire life, Matt Ryan has been the ire of you know Saints fans. Correct. I mean, you make fun of the Falcons all we want. I am ecstatic that Matt Ryan is gone because he beat the Saints a lot, and I don't always think he got enough credit for that as much as we like to joke about twenty-eight to three. So we kind of talk about that, and I've talked about this before. If you look around, kind of just going off ranking quarterbacks. I want to kind of want to transition to the NFC. I mean, now with a bunch of quarterbacks, I mean, Russell Wilson now going to the to the AFC and other quarterbacks also following suit going to the AFC. Where does that leave Jameis Winston overall ranked overall in the NFC as top quarterbacks? To me, I said that he's in the top at least in the top 5. I I have to like think of who the NFC quarterbacks are. I would say Matt Stafford. He's one. Tom Brady, obviously, Aaron Rodgers. I feel like you'd have from from there. I mean, it's it's almost like Jam- all right, Jameis. I mean, you can say Kyler Murray, nah, but definitely not for me. It's one of those things where I'm totally drawing a blank and I'm probably forgetting other people. Uh, but I, I would have Jameis in the you know top eight, maybe to you know throw back to MySpace just for a hot second. <laughs> yeah, um, only because again, you know. He had a really strong showing last season, and I don't think there's any reason to believe that he's as, you know, turnover hoppy as he used to be. I mean, did the LASIK make a difference? Probably. I mean, honestly, we're talking about someone's eyesight. It's, it's like we could joke about that all we want, but right. I, I have to think that makes a difference. But also being under, you know, the coaching staff, uh, he made that decision to study kind of for a year under Drew Brees. I think those lessons have all instilled themselves. Um, kind of like we were talking about Brandon Ingram, how we really got his chance to shine and people kind of like got full respect for him this last season. I kind of feel like that's the case for Jameis this season. I think that he should be held highly, uh, but just, you know, that was, it was a very conservative showing. He didn't really have anyone to throw to, um, but he made a lot of things work and then it was cut short, ironically, by his old teammate, Devin White. Uh, but he, to me, is set up in a completely night and day situation just by the receiving core alone. Even if he has two seconds to throw, I'm pretty sure Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landy, or Chris Olave can get open in two seconds. Whereas even if he had, you know, a, a, a steel pocket last year, sometimes there was just simply no separation to be had. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of mentioned, you know, that, that step up after like either year one or whatever year it is kind of interesting that you mentioned that because Dennis Allen actually today talking with the media said he's looking forward to guys taking that next jump that next leap this season it's an interesting thing all right because I don't really look for big jumps and 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 really when you look at it I don't think there's ever really any of these big jumps that occur it's just that guys keep getting just a little bit better every day and by the end of a month if they've gotten that much better every day, well, all of a sudden now it's there, you know, and that's kind of the way that 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 works. Um, 
there's no I know we live in a microwave society and we want to see instant results in everything that we do, but that's just not the reality of the world we live in, you know. So um, I, I'm, the signs I'm looking for are just small incremental improvements, uh, you know, every day. Every time I hear a quote from Dennis Allen, you know, I, I get more excited for the season. Honestly, I don't know what it is. It just, like, seems like he gets it, yeah. for lack of a better term, you know. I know he gets a lot of flack for his time in, in, in with the Raiders. Uh, I tend not to hold, you know, really tumultuous organizational tenure. That was a few years. Like, that was like yeah, multiple, and I mean, it was years. when they were a hot mess, to be honest with right. you, for lack of a better term. Uh, but I just feel like he has a pulse on players and how to reach them and kind of just how life works in general. Like, again, you know, it's we do live in a microwave society. People want instant results. That's why the training camp battle last year, people were losing their minds because they wanted it to be over because they wanted their answer. And a lot of people had their answer already in their heads. And so when it was dragging on for, you know, I hate this term now, but due diligence, uh, that drove people nuts because they want instant results. So I like a coach that immediately gets out there and says, you know, it's really about those incremental improvements because that's really the reality of the sport. Yeah, especially when you're, you know, a new head coach in the league. And I feel like that's that was kind of almost him, like, saying, all right, it might take a little bit of time for, you know, to get used to it. We're going to try to use as much of Sean Payton's play scheme and everything else that he's been doing these past, you know, this past decade. But at the same time, it is a completely new system, a lot of new personalities within the organization, and people are just going to have to get used to that. So I kind of feel like he was maybe pointing towards in that direction – Maybe it's just not the players, but also the the organization as a whole. As a whole. Yeah, uh, I just I think there definitely could be some truth to that, but I I just think it's more like I, we expect these you know her, Herculean jumps from players when right. it doesn't really make sense you know why that would happen. It's one thing when you're talking about you know a year three rookie who might actually you know grow into something. Wasn't it Trey Hendrickson in year three who really came on? And in the Saints, again, Jeff Ireland, they're really good at, at scouting that. So those people you can kind of predict. But, yeah, I think you're right. There's a lot of turnover. But there already has been a lot of turnover to me, again, ever since Drew Brees retired. I feel like this domino effect is kind of set off. But Dennis Allen seems, like, stable to me. And it is comforting in a way because he kind of feels familiar. So it is kind of nice to start this new chapter with someone who has been there from the beginning and, and was down here when Katrina happened, which I do think – means a lot uh, because I, I, I feel like that gets lost in the shuffle, how important, you know, the Saints have been ever since that and how Sean and Drew played a part in that. So it's meaningful to me that Dennis Allen was, you know, with the team in his first stint back in 2006 and it has really, you know, seen the, the Saints grow through it all. Well, Maddie, that will wrap it up for the sports hangover. I want to, again, say thank you and Ty Graffini along with Gary Smith Catherine Terrell and Ali Cosell for joining us here at Katie's. Always a pleasure doing the show here. Great food, great atmosphere. Thank you all for listening to the Sports Hangover for three hours. Next up, after further review with Matt Moscona, you'll have a great week and we'll see you tomorrow.